0: I think that we should open with those bugle horn things, because it is a joust. Okay. They're charging. Charge! Do you
1: hear those bugle horns, Eric? Are you happy?
0: Yeah, thank you. Of
2: course he heard them, he made them. (laughs) 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 Yeah, he did make those.
0: Thanks to the magic of editing, I can hear them while I'm talking, yay!
2: Just before we synced our
1: sound, Eric made a bugle sound, and I think we made a uh, Back to the Future, getting your name wrong on the underwear reference, and now we're here beginning... Our Wednesday midweek episode of Game of Owns.
0: Much has changed. Much has happened since uh, we last spoke. Uh, for example, hoverboards are now a thing again.
1: They're not a thing, Eric. Don't See, we've already been misled enough today <laughs> by the powers that be. We can't perpetrate this any longer, okay?
0: Oh, fine. Well, there's a joust that is uh, taking place. The tournament has finally begun. Of course, we're talking about uh, the Ashford tournament for... The uh, Lady Ashford, the little maiden of Ashford's 13th name day.
1: Is that what we're doing? We're jumping, just going to head first, dive right into Duncan Egg well, today? Well,
0: okay, I suppose there is something else that happened between Monday and today, which is that Game of Owns has turned 200.
2: Yeah, cheers and whistles. <laughs> Bugles, or trains and radiators, all <laughs> as one harmonious voice. No, I was going to say, well, Tuesday obviously happened between... Monday and uh, today. Uh, such a mm-hmm.
0: joker, Mike. Such, people have come to rely on you for that. Well,
2: mm-hmm. I try my best. Uh, and uh, I don't think you're funny. I know. <laughs> uh, but Eric does, so that's one of three. I think or, that's
1: opposite. I think I'm the one that thinks you're funny, and Eric the one is the one that questions you more. Yeah. But we'll go with that. No, no, okay, Eric funny.
2: questions Sam, and that's a completely different story altogether. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's exciting, Eric. You pointed out the fact that we are 200 years young, and uh, I think like that. that is... Uh, quite an achievement, and as mentioned towards the end of Monday's episode, it's really all due to the listeners, the people who plug us into their ear holes each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or however frequently they choose to listen. Um, It's really their willingness to come back time and time again um, that has gotten us to this point.
0: And their lovely, lovely reviews. I was on the iTunes store the other day, and I was like, I'm going to look up, actually see how many reviews we've got and I read some of them and they're just all amazing and they're all very gracious and <laughs> we really haven't threatened people in a, in a, properly in a long time. And we, we like the show and this is what it comes down to is that we're all about these books and the Song of Ice and Fire series and the Game of Thrones TV show. And really this whole thing started, we just decided as friends who knew each other previously that we'd watch it together. Really it grew from there. And so talking about Humble origins here for a second. Uh, Yeah, it's just we've grown closer over the years because we do this, and uh, I can't wait to see how close we are uh, in another 200 episodes. You
1: mean at episode 250 when we plan to do the actual fun, big, special thing? Yeah, like when podcasts or shows or anything with such high numbers of frequency as something like this. Um, there's like a boutique aspect to getting to do something special. It's not a rule or a mandate that anyone's put out officially, but as people who, who get to make these things, uh, for other people, it's just, uh, I guess for people who choose to keep making these things for other people more rather, uh, it's fun to be able to have something like episode 200 or episode 150 or episode 250 approaching, which is going to hit sometime near the midsummer, you know, mm-hmm. so that there's there's really exciting opportunities to do fun stuff just inside of what we already do. So it's it's cool that there's an excuse to uh, celebrate doing something. If that makes any sense, just to celebrate the fact that something is being done.
2: So let's do that sometimes. Agreed. Yeah, it's uh, it is exciting, and we look forward to now that 250th episode. Um, Zach, I'm I'm excited to see what you have planned. I can't wait. What are you talking about? Now this is all on
1: me because I, I thought this was going to be a community effort Oh yeah, dri- yeah, no. driven by all of I, us I just, on top of it. Uh, no,
2: I just wanted yeah. to publicly put it on you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if it crashes and burns and it's not no, as no, as it, no, it could no, be, no. It's Sam fault. will I definitely understand. be there. So he will definitely be give on. things to, uh, for people to talk about. It will be a lynching. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that.
1: <laughs> Behind uh, 800 knights pulling 4,000 horses, that would be – A very scary tattoo to get on your back. Please don't send us pictures of
2: that. No, but the uh, the whole reason why I got involved with this was because I wanted a podcast I could actually curse on and uh, talk about (laughs) things that you couldn't necessarily do on prior podcasts. So I appreciate uh, you know you guys giving me the opportunity to do that.
0: You really don't curse that much. You're fairly tame. But I can if I
2: want to. That's the thing. Yeah, you really could. In all seriousness, though. um, This is a lot of fun, you know. We get to get together a couple times a week and do this, and you know we're just enjoying every minute of it, and that's why it's so seamless, and that's why it's so much fun. We look forward to doing it for many, many years, hopefully um,
1: to come, unless a comet strikes the surface of our planet or something even more disastrous that you know isn't melting as per design. I think that there could be a terrible thing that could happen. You know, there could be some kind of power in the north that wants to awaken and really destroy the the puny arsenals that we put together with flying bullets, don't you think? I think I mean yeah. I think magic may be what needs to save us. Hypothetically, and if none of that happens, we'll still have a show. So really, it's a win-win. We'll get to see something cool, or we'll get to keep enjoying Game of Thrones and the new books coming out, and we'll get to keep making this podcast. So either way, I think it's a win-win for everyone involved. Honestly, you know,
0: as a two hundred episode uh, special (laughs) celebration special, can can you reveal Zach for the first time how or where you came upon this cover art that we are using with the hand grasping? The microphone.
1: Uh, we made it, dude. Dude, <laughs> how
0: did you make something like that?
1: Uh, I don't know. Uh, Google really high resolution pictures of classic microphones. Uh, how about throw it a little bit of season two branding as per HBO's standard, and voila, that's the Game of Own's album art. I because think I, it'll I'm, stick around I, for a while.
0: Again, I'm on the iTunes Store, and I just really think this is this is my favorite thing about the first 200 episodes. I think is this Piece of cover art, which is just so perfect.
1: All right. Well, before we start talking too much about. How much coffee we've drank in excess upon the road to get to 200. I think a nice reminder to everyone who's listening who knows that we're covering the Hedge night today. Probably part three in our four-part look at this novella. Let's refresh everyone on what exactly this tournament is for and what it's about, shall we? Indeed. The tournament at Ashford is being held in honor of the 13th name day of Lord Ashford's daughter. She is the reigning queen of love and beauty. You hear that, everybody? The reigning queen of love and beauty. And five champions defend her. Not one, not two, but five. Any knight may challenge one of the five. And if he wins, he
2: replaces the daughter. Oh, he replaces... <laughs> that, that would be a, you know, that could fit in Game of Thrones. Don't, don't discount that. Oh, man. It could and be he possible. Wins, he replaces. It is 2014. <laughs> oh gosh Hmm.
1: the man as champion until he too is defeated at the end of the three days the five remaining champions will decide whether the daughter will remain the queen of love and beauty or will be replaced by a woman of their choosing so there's that so dunk are here right now he knows that he needs to win in order to make some cash he just needs to be a champion for a while we've talked about this before that his victory is not really concerning the whole tournament he's not He doesn't really care about walking away from this victorious necessarily on a grand scale. He really just wants to make out with more coin than he had. Like from a very utilitarian perspective, he came in with this. He sold a horse. Now he has this. He was able to put a down payment on some armor and eventually buy the rest of it. He's ready to make all of that back and then some and maybe even buy his horse again. Who knows?
0: Yeah. And I mean if he comes away with this with having a lord to serve, great. Um, you know, right now he's a hedge knight, though. Right now he's wandering. Uh, his master has just died before this tournament, and he doesn't really have a straight plan uh, of, of where he's going to go. And we're finding Dunk in this transitory period of his life, and it's a great crux for the setting of this book.
1: So, where did we leave everyone last? I think uh, if we're correct in our thinkings here, as far as what's pasted in front of us, uh, we had an agreement that a sigil and art job, essentially what you art ask job. your friend who had a laptop. If you guys were in college around the time I was a few years back, where if someone had a laptop or was any good at certain kinds of things and you needed something done for your small business that you were thinking of, or maybe your parents or a distant relative, maybe start with a logo or create their entire business model and internet website and all of that at the same time. I feel like that's kind of the equivalent of what our puppeteer friend Tansel is doing right now for Dunk. Like, can you just make everything? I have some gold, a little bit. <laughs>
0: Tansel agrees <laughs> to paint uh, over the current uh, sigil or current you know, coat of arms, the, the, the <laughs> what did they say? It was a mug. It's a chalice. It's a winged chalice. And uh, she's going to make it just different enough uh that Dunk is able to compete with this shield, which was Sir Arlen of Pennytrees um in the upcoming battle, so he's he's tried to get listed um and there was some issues with his knighthood not being officially recognized um but that's all gone, you know, after a chance encounter with uh lord Baylor and so it's it's all sort of been resolved, and he's just kind of prepping for. The tournament. The tournament hasn't begun yet, and his role in it uh, will come in a couple days' time, but the big day, the first day of the tournament, is upon them.
1: And it's upon us. I think that Egg was probably more excited than we are. I think he knew what was to be expected. We don't really know why. Or how when Dunk asks him all of these really intricate questions about the men competing later, he's able to be of such use. Did you notice that? Like, he has such yeah. a head start. He's not really caring how Egg knows all of these almost useless facts about all these people. But he's taking stock and adding all of this to his Pokedex. And he's learning how to use the weaknesses <laughs> against them later.
0: It yeah, it's like a Pokedex. Egg, the human Pokedex. I wonder,
2: does Egg eat eggs for breakfast? Or is that a little weird?
0: Raw eggs. Five dozen.
2: That actually... That'd be kind of good. Is that like mm. cannibalistic in a way? Maybe. No. Unless they it. were human eggs, then
1: that would be <laughs> a totally different chapter in a book that we probably haven't read yet. It's
0: called The Winds of Winter.
2: Does it, <laughs> does it say anything about uh, Dunk, though, that he's not able to pick up on some of these subtle clues as it relates to Egg? You just talk, touched on the fact that he's very knowledgeable about those who are competing in this tournament. And one would find that to be a bit odd for just this scrawny or- orphan boy as he's referred to uh, in the text.
0: I suppose. I mean, Dunk says it himself that he is not smarter than a doornail. Something like that. A fifth um, grader. Th- yes, so he's not smarter <laughs> than a fifth grader. Right. Um, oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Foxworthy
1: comes out. Uh, yeah. We'll stop You there. are
0: not smarter than a fifth grader. Um, <laughs> Goodbye. But uh, <laughs> regarding Egg, like, it's just he's just a kid in this kingdom and we know that certain kids have these quirks, have these quirky traits, have these proclivities. Like Dunk himself was trained uh, and sort of taught the lineage, you know, historical uh, battles and that sort of thing by Sir Arlen. It is equally plausible or at least possible that Egg, whoever mentored him or taught him, would you know, kind of show him. But I, I guess I get what you're saying. In, in an age without photographs, in an age without espn and instant video social media how would you see how would you be able to tell these guys apart i mean i guess it's just the same way that dunk does with with sigils and stuff um i would say it's it's not totally of course once the big reveal happens you're like oh yeah dunk should have totally known this uh hindsight being 2020 as it is but right now i think it's just he's an enthusiastic kid who has dreams of one day you know seeing battle himself Um, And so, and so for that reason, he's enthusiastic about these battles. But he he definitely owns uh, Dunk in you know in terms of his his just his knowledge. Uh, about who these guys are because dunk doesn't have a clue
1: i think this is kind of the you were just kind of comparing the elements of how he'd have this knowledge and and how all of these things would would come to pass their version of seeing things and and learning of important people or following celebrity gossip and news is going to tournaments like this like they don't have a facebook wall or a twitter feed to go reflect on what's happening or the people that aren't there don't really have an opportunity to see it otherwise so maybe that's why in this time since these are really the only times you can walk into a busy tent city and see all of these sigils and brands and of all these reputable people, and maybe this is why they make these long treks from King's Landing to just be there, is because you know at these events, these are really the only opportunities that these kinds of things can happen. They don't have this kind of gallantry and uh, polish. Almost commercialism to their regular life, you know, because they're so busy surviving almost. They're not quite on a survival level that some people beyond the wall are, and those people don't really have the same kind of pleasantries that the people down south of the wall like these people have, like tournaments with prizes and puppeteers. What the hell is that, right? Right. So essentially – Egg having this information in his mind, the ADHD person inside of me knows that maybe with a little bit of Ridlin, Dunk could maybe remember and notice that Egg is saying all of these things and he should keenly observe it and have some kind of conclusion. But unfortunately, I think that his brain is amazingly too busy with the fact that he's about to fight in his first tournament ever.
0: Right, and you just don't expect somebody like uh, one of the, you know, Dragonborn to be <laughs> the dragon boy to where he was That's you know Skyrim, are you making up
2: nicknames now no no,
0: no no i wanted to say you know a targaryen son but, uh, that well, sounds you better know, we haven't really gotten <laughs> to the, the the big reveal doesn't happen till this evening um so i didn't want to spoil it but you, somebody who like egg turns out to be you just don't expect to see him um on you know a horse uh at an inn you know, outside of town.
1: Well, that's why you can't blame Dunk at all, because how do you make that conclusion? I mean, even if he wanted to assume that he was some other person from a lesser family, I think that could have been drawn based on Egg's knowledge of the people. But like you said, this could have just been one of his nerdy interests growing
0: up. And he cut off all his hair, um, is the other thing. Like, Shiger's got, like, pale eyes or violet eyes. It's very distinctive, the Targaryen look, from what I gather. Um, but with no hair, he's just a kid who would lice someday. You know, <laughs> what? Dunk. It's that's what's that's he's what's, like the
2: kid you didn't want to sit next to in exactly. kindergarten because he's got some weird shit crawling in his hair. I'm
0: just saying that's why they cut <laughs> off hair, and that's said in the book.
2: No, it is, yeah. it is. But you know, you point out the fact that um, you know he's not necessarily recognizable, and um there there's a lot that goes on in the early part of you know what we're looking at in the text right now, even as it relates to the Targaryens. Right, um, Dunk points out the fact that. Prince Baylor doesn't even look like a Targaryen in truth, so how could you expect him to recognize Egg as being a Targaryen? You know, but again, though, you have these moments now as the story progresses where Egg is pointing things out, saying, oh, well, Prince Baylor, it says he takes after his mother, and, <laughs> you know, that should be a bit of a clue. Uh, how would, uh, Egg come across that kind of information. Same thing later on where he's pointing out, uh, I think it's one of the Terrells and, uh, Dunk snaps back at him and says, I knew that I was serving that man before you were even born, boy. You know, right. and it's just he's got such deep insight into all of these different families that we've come to know, you know, through the song of ice and fire series. And it's questionable how he would come across that much information as young as he is. And, you know, he's depicted as this orphan boy, as mentioned earlier, how would somebody, you know, even if he happened across some books and other things, these people are not going to be in books, you know, not yet right, anyway. it's too current. It's too current. So he's clearly had some sort of face-to-face time uh, with some of these characters.
0: The other reason that it's clever, though, and the writing is clever and George R. R. Martin is clever, um, is because part of Egg's backstory is that he's also from Flea Bottom. And uh, so Dunk really sees a lot of himself in Egg, and that also helps take him in. But even there's a, a quote here. Um, Dunk says, That must be Lord Leo beside the tent, the slender graybeard in green and gold. And Egg says, Yes, I saw him at King's Landing once. He's not one you'll want to challenge, sir. <laughs> I saw him at King's Landing. And so Egg neglects to mention that he probably saw him from atop a high throne. Um, you know, or whatever they give the siblings of the hands of the you know the royalty, um, in that day and age. But uh, Dunk just assumes walking, you know, walking through the street or going to a tournament because you know it's, it's like the fact that Egg has been to King's Landing, the capital, is also not remarkable, um, because many poor people live there.
1: I think that it's the most evident and also the best time for Egg to flex some of his knowledge when they're actually at the tournament. And obviously they have such a strong connection because he does see a lot of himself in Egg, which I think is really in the future as we go along this series just going to translate in the fact that they're both good people. So I think Dunk kind of noticed that this was not a wily bad person and they just sort of got along. So Egg's up on his shoulders and they're watching all of these things happen. They're watching all of the champions file out. This is where all of the fancy people decide to lay their hats for the day, essentially. You've got all of these pavilions, obviously the Targaryen and the more royal ones are uh, decorated a little bit better we've got lord ashford's people all scattered out i thought one of the coolest parts of this whole thing leaning toward what we were just talking about as far as what should kind of be a dead giveaway but not necessarily like i said because they're busy is when egg refers to valar targaryen as valar he doesn't (laughs) call him the prince or anything he just calls him valar very casually
0: yeah and yeah i think dunk tells him uh Squire must keep a courteous tongue boy <laughs> he's trying to teach him right
1: especially when you're talking about the prince
0: <laughs> yeah manners and and yeah true it's true with princes you could get your tongue chopped out for less but yeah it's it's and just the idea that egg is on dunk's shoulder it's because <laughs> he's too small you know it's it's just um it's endearing it's it's totally a nice story of these two these two friends and currently you know where I know we're about to see battle but so far the story's been fairly like innocent and nothing bad
2: has happened. Aside from what happened to Sir Arlen at Which the start, off, you know, off screen, to yeah, beginning of this book. so to speak. So here we are. And um, the tournament is officially about to begin. It's taken about half of the novel or novella saying novella just sounds weird. I don't, I don't know why. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, we're here now. And uh, it's taken, like I said, about half of it to get to this point. And, you know, Eric just uh, noted the fact that battle is upon us. So this particular part starts out by saying, when the horns blew to summon the challengers, all five of the mage champions were called forth to defend her. Dunk could hear the murmur of excitement in the crowd as the challengers appeared one by one at the south end of the lists. Heralds boomed out the name of each knight in turn. They paused before the viewing stand to dip their lances in salute of Lord Ashford, Prince Baylor, and the Fair Maid, then circled to the north end of the field to select their opponents. The Grey Lion of Casterly Rock struck the shield of Lord Tyrell, while his golden-haired heir, Sir Tybalt Lannister, challenged Lord Ashford's eldest son. Lord Tully of Riverrun tapped the diamond-patterned shield of Sir Humphrey Harding. Sir Abelur Hightower knocked upon Valors, and the young Ashford was called out by Sir Lionel Baratheon, the night they called the laughing storm the challengers trotted back to the south end of the list to await their foes sir abel in silver and smoke colors a stone tower on his shield crowned with fire the two lannisters all crimson bearing the golden lion of casterly rock the laughing storm shining in cloth of gold with a black stag on breast and shield and a rack of iron antlers on his helm Lord Tully, wearing a striped blue and red, cloak clasped with a silver trout at each shoulder, they pointed their twelve foot lances skyward, the gusty wind snapping and tugging at the pennons. See, here's Ugh. something
0: here's something that I didn't quite get from reading Game of Thrones, but which is like abundantly clear after reading this book, is that the helms are just so ornately decorated that they actually have parts coming away from them like horns. Um, and I believe several of the Targaryens have like dragon wings and, and that sort of thing um coming from their helms. It's just their helmet. Like it's – but these, um you know, metal workers in this d- day and age and their position and royalty uh, really demands this <laughs> – it must look cool and intimidating but kind of also ridiculous, especially after they see battle and you, you find like bits of it. Like one antler just like <laughs> falling off. It's right. just kind of it's kind of ridiculous. I think you know, but it, it it's cool to read about. But you're just like that doesn't seem very practical. It's not like they're making it more aerodynamic. So what Eric is saying
1: basically, people, is the really expensive armor and video games that you always lust after buying. You know, you're using the lower level stuff, and you're like, man, I could really buy this. And it's like, well. You'll sort of naturally make that much money and properly outfit yourself later, but you're selling all of your potions and crazy shit just to like buy one helm or one sword. What Eric is saying is maybe it's not really worth it,
0: right? I mean, if your if your helm has all these little like nubs and knobs on it, like it doesn't it doesn't do anything except maybe strike heart strike fear into the heart of your opponent. That's what it's all about. It's all about show. It's all about. Um, that's striking. it right there. No, you're right. Yeah. It is
2: all about show, but I think that's what sets the tone, right, so well in yeah. this particular part of this this story because at least from the standpoint of having read through where we have right now or at least seen um up to season three of the the TV series, you're going back in time and you're looking at all of these different families, these representatives of these families – who are fighting in this kick-ass armor, it sets the tone. I mean, it's it's Tully, it's Tyrell, it's Lannister, it's Baratheon, even Hightower, right? And throw in Targaryen. And all these guys are about to go at it in a tournament against each other. And it'd be interesting to see, like, is some of this stuff that they're putting on a 100 years ago the same as what we're to experience in Game of Thrones or Clash of Kings? You know, how much does it really alter over time?
1: I don't know. I think uh, a lot of this stuff, I mean, especially what happens at the very end, it's very clear that this is all very important and lends so much forward to what happens in the actual history and timeline, and it's kind of a dom- domino effect how this all sort of happens. And we can see now, reading the story, the roots of some of this uh, Targaryen badness that we'll get into. I think really starts with with what's going on with Prince Valor. I know that some Sir Humphrey Harding challenged him. I think that that might be a little questionable as you can see the other people that were challenged I felt like kind of the uh the more badass guys went and chose the other guys and when you're in a group of dudes doing this and you're the opening act essentially that all of these people gathered for I think it was pretty clear that the most badass guy on the field was just the Targaryen by default so he didn't he didn't challenge the guy the guy challenged him It's
2: interesting that it's sort of this series right it's it's either you know, you kind of make it through. It's almost like a a bracket style tournament, which really doesn't have any set sort of teams, or you know, for for lack of a better term, because it's all about who chooses you, right? Who wants to fight against you? I thought the point about it was a little bit earlier on, but how they talked about how all of the lances had been broken um, on the first go between yeah. you know all ten of the competitors was was this omen of good fortune? <laughs> Hell yeah.
1: You know Valar had his opponent at the very end. We're not going to go into every swing and swipe of this essentially. No, I, think, no. I think I think I think that would be we don't have the time and if we were going to do it properly we would need like sound effects of people cheering and like we would be commentating the whole thing right like it would be actually i think that would be actually really cool We needed to think about it would doing well let's, like let's wait the future, for the like... tv
0: adaptation mm-hmm. you know yeah after, okay when, like when game of thrones gets to the point where there aren't any more books and they've run out of plots to pull from future books maybe they'll do like <laughs> duncan, maybe they'll do a season of duncan egg but they'll have like richard madden come back and play like balor or Wrong departed, family, wrong family. But like a Christmas special. No, It's, it's funny fun. that you
2: say that because I think even George gets into that mindset when, because one of the paragraphs us up by saying, for the rest of the morning and well into the afternoon, it was more of the same as challengers took the field in twos and threes and sometimes fives together. <laughs> so he, he basically said, you know what? I'm taking a break from writing all of this.
0: Well, this is the Quidditch problem that J.K. Rowling had too. She said – Well, after a while, I had to find other ways to make each match unique. And that's why it ends up getting like written out is because she already did a match in the rain, already did a match in the snow. There's really not a whole lot of ways you can make it different. Mm -hmm. George succeeds further, I think. He goes further than J.K. Rowling did in in, in terms of maybe just having a lot of things planned specifically for this um, sport. But... Uh, you know, and in terms of the outcomes, but that's because it's so central to the plot.
2: You know, Zach, you touched on the people that the young prince was fighting, or quote unquote fighting, right. earlier, right? He was just kind of getting the the pick of the litter in terms of was well, really not even the pick of the litter, It's more like the runts of the litter, <laughs> you know. And and it's noted that he just sat outside of his pavilion, drinking from his silver goblet, and rising from time to time to mount his horse and vanquish yet another. Undistinguished foe.
1: You know, it's not a bad deal for him, though. If you really think about it, I realize no, it's no a great honor deal doing that. But he's having a good afternoon, just chilling. It sounds like fun.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. But you know, Dunk even recognizes the fact that you know he's he has almost ten victories, but none of them are worth anything. You know, he's beating up old men and up jumped squires and a few lords of high birth and low skill. Everybody's just kind of going around him and not really challenging him for fear or just no it's probably for fear
1: yeah i mean it's it's like in a knight's tale you can't attack the prince because <laughs> it makes people feel weird i think just just watch that movie if you want to get it. it's just, it's not the same thing here but it, it it's similar enough to be like oh there's a parallel but essentially they're actually still riding against prince valar and he's beating all of them you know uh he he gets gowan second and he gets um the old guy before that sir humphrey and i think that it's pretty clear just by his choices and by his actions and the fact that Dunk is a little curious whether or not he's drinking water or wine out of that on the side, but who cares? Like, he can drink whatever he wants. It's a it's a, it's a, a day that Dunk never planned in competing in. All of these people are a little bit too high profile for him to just jump and start mixing blade w- blades with. I mean, at the end of the day, his shield's not even finished, so yeah. this remains to be what it always was. I think really the only... Super important, Victor, to note, aside from what you should gather passively by reading this book, is to know that The Laughing Storm has officially gotten the love of all of the common people because rather than sort of riding the way he should and and worrying about taking the guy down on the first go, he's just throwing their helms into the crowd and people are catching him and cheering but it's not like the modern day version where you get to take a keepsake home basically armed guards are coming and taking them back I'm sure because they're worth <laughs> worth more than their entire existence but the the laughing storm has taken a place of faith among these people. Of course think, he is. Yeah. He's laughing the entire they can hear him through his like they hear a muffled like,
2: <laughs> through his uh full face helmet. It's it's so great to read this though because all you can think of at least me and I'm sure you guys as well is Robert Baratheon. Yeah. And Oh yeah. Yeah. It just shows that this kind of personality and just this level of awesomeness exists in his lineage for many, many years before him.
1: Yeah, and George, it's just a nice callback for George because we did not get to have our full time with Robert Baratheon, I believe, especially the the, the friendship between him and Ned, and it's not it's not being replaced here whatsoever but at least it's a nice little nod toward yes the baratheons are are these kinds of people in a way i mean i'm sure there's there's degradation in any stretch as far as personality is concerned but it's clear that joffrey doesn't fit the the bill that we've been told now also in the backstory about what a common stag king should be like you know
2: yeah absolutely it just it completely solidifies any sort of thought that you may have have other than you know at this point it's pretty obvious, but you know that he could have any gene you know that remotely resembles a Baratheon um, in his body, which
1: gives hope for Stannis. I think underneath all of that resolve and and toughness, I you think you just yeah. got to get yeah. Stannis drunk. Stannis yeah. drunk <laughs> would be
0: great. I don't yes. think Stannis would enjoy being drunk. I just, no,
1: Eric. Stannis is a happy drunk. You can tell. No, right?
0: no. Renly was the happy drunk. Look what happened to him.
1: I promise you, dude. Too soon? Stannis, no. yeah, maybe. No, Stannis is a tough guy. He's got a, a hard outer shell. But I think with the right mixture of things in his potion bottle or whatever, I think it would be a, a different tune. I mean, he is Robert's brother. They probably grew up like throwing shit at each other, literally. So I think that. I know that we're getting a little off topic here talking about Stannis and Robert, but I I think that they would do the Laughing Storm proud, Sir Lionel. I really, I really. Well,
0: yeah, I I do think that the Laughing Storm, I mean, and you're right, Mike, it definitely reminds me of Robert Baratheon, even that nickname, Laughing Storm, just uh, going back to Mark Addy's portrayal of Robert, uh, always jovial, always laughing, um, but still being this war hero and kicking ass. Um, just like that comparison, I'm finding a lot of Viserys Targaryen in this Arian fellow, uh, Arian Brightflame, um, who is the son of Maekar. Um, and I'm finding, especially using, you know, in the in sort of the last battle, the last important battle of the day between him and Sir Humphrey. I believe it's Humphrey Harding. It's not Humphrey Beesling, right? Bogart. But the reason I compare it to Viserys is because he does a lot of cheap shots. You know, Arian goes into the ring and, uh, you know, riding in actually aims for Humphrey's horse, and this is this is a big deal um, because it's not what you're supposed to do, but it 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 kills the horse. It absolutely kills the horse. And um, when Sir Humphrey is crushed,
2: did it Peter send a note?
0: Creates an outrage. Um, so it's kind of like. Arian is doing what he has to do to win, um, but it's it's dishonorable, and he doesn't seem to care. Um, Absolutely. We've met enough people who sort of forsake their own, like, you know, just to get their own way, like uh, Joffrey. So, yeah, just Arian's definitely a villain, um, and I think that they are showing the tactics that uh, he's willing to use to get his way, and it's really just kind of a downer for, for being the last battle. Of the evening. Yeah, I don't think anyone liked it. Uh, it was a
1: dead giveaway, though, when he was riding in, as uh, Dunk was tightening around his neck when he was riding in, and he was just like, kill him! Kill Arion." It's like, what? <laughs> Lord Ashford decided that that would be the end of the day's match, and this is where Dunk gets to kind of enjoy the after-party, in a way. And his yeah. new friends, the Fossaways, are just like, dude, why weren't you hanging out in the Knights Pavilion with everyone else? And you'd like to think that Dunk was like, oh, shit, in that moment. But do you think <laughs> that he would have liked to hang out in the Knight's tent, if you really think about it, or or is being out there with Egg where he'd prefer to be.
0: He may have met more antagonists. Um there's a spot where the next day he reflects on, oh man, they could totally be in the crowd again, in the back of the, you know, room, looking at it with him on my shoulders. Um so yeah, I think he does kind of prefer that hedginess, <laughs> that that hedge result of them being in in, in sort of in the background. I, I think that he doesn't seek the spotlight in the way that arian would raymond
1: fosterway tells dunk who won they actually gave the honorary victory to sir humphrey which i think makes sense in a way ish and they also gave him the prince's horse
0: which i'm thinking okay
2: that probably pissed him off though let's Mm -hmm. be real
1: yeah but he's got like 50 more of them
2: that's true
0: oh yeah there's no excuse for bad sportsmanship i wish they took the horses out of everybody and in today's sports who, who who displayed just some really bad, you know, aggressive behavior.
2: Here's, here's the situation that we're getting into right now though, is that Dunk has been sizing up the competition all day long and he knows sort of who's left of these four champions who he would really like to face. And that's Prince Valar, right? I mean, and it's, it's noted that a hedge knight cannot challenge a prince. So, How is this going to play out for Dunk moving forward? He's obviously seen how these other three champions, Terrell, Baratheon, and Lannister have shown their skills over the course of the last, you know, day. And he doesn't want to chance having to fight them. He thinks his best chance is against the prince. Again, though, we don't really know how good or not good Prince Valar is because He's He hasn't had anybody of substance to face. Is Dunk miscalculating here a little bit, do you think? Or is he right on target with who he should be going after?
1: Well, he's letting a little bit of his anger get in the way. I think that uh, Arion also flipped a big uh, red flag on his scanners as well. But I think at the end of the day, if it's either of the two, he'll be pleased. It's more poetic, at least. We find out a lot of the other knights don't actually like Arion either. Big surprise. Everyone <laughs> sort of thinks that he did it on purpose, which I think if you were from Dunk's angle and all of the common people that were around him were, it was pretty clear that he knew where to put the lance, and he did it on purpose. So, yeah, his father Makar wasn't there, and he acted like a fool. That's pretty much it. Makar was out looking for his lost sons, and so no harm, no foul. Arion got away with it. And I think that might have been a total Viserys move. At least what happens next is a total Viserys move. Like I said, Dunk's at the, at this after party. He's having a good time. He's also waiting around for the end of Tansel's puppet show. He's waiting for all that to be finished so when she's done with work, he can be like, hey, by the way, how about that drink that I also offered you the other day and you turned down because you were working? You're not working now. Is it okay? Right when he was thinking about all of this, that's when Egg bursts in and he tells Dunk, oh, by the way, Arianne is attacking the puppet girl. What should we do?
0: Oh, no. Uh <laughs> Billy fell down a well. Yeah, this sucks. This just sucks. As if you didn't think that Aryan could get any worse. He's he's not just bad in the ring. He's bad out of the ring now. He's bad. He's hurting the one girl that Dunk has noticed and paid attention to. Furthermore, she has to get his shield done and stuff. And so, really the last person that you want to be in danger right now is is in danger. I mean, for for all the reasons, all the all the all the reasons. This is a good-hearted girl. Um, she does not deserve what is happening.
1: Right. So Dunk finds his way to where the show was taking place, and he sees the man, Prince Arion. Now in less armor and stuff, they can kind of recognize each other. This is the guy that we talked about that we didn't know who it was, perchance exactly. This is the guy that at the stables, he was telling Dunk to get shit for him, to like pour him drinks and to stable his horse and to comb his horse's hair and all of this crap. This is the guy who mistook him for a stable boy.
0: Oh, yeah. And Dunk is angry about it.
1: (laughs) It's like on top of all of this, he's also attacking this girl. So Dunk had all of these furiosities flowing through his mind. What other thing could he do than blow through a few people and dropkick the guy in the face, right?
0: Arian took offense, and whether or not it was... Real offense or mock offense. I think his, I think it was closer to mock offense. He saw an opportunity for himself to be big and bad. He's actually very much like Joffrey. I don't know why I compared him to Viserys earlier. He's a lot like Joffrey. Um, he chose to make an example out of, uh, this puppet girl because of the story that she was telling with her puppet show. And, you know, whereas before we see how, um smoothly she's able to move the puppets the way her fingers interweave with the wood and the everything like that everything dunk loved about her um arian just takes it and and crumbles it to the ground he breaks one of tanzel's fingers um in front of everybody and, and and this is just something that dunk cannot cannot permit um because not only is arian not being very knightly, um, but he is actually seriously injuring this girl's trade and her her lifestyle or choice of of life. She's got something good going for her. She's not a whore. I mean, you know, and she can paint and all this other stuff. She needs those fingers.
2: The only choice is puppeteer, painter, whore.
0: Uh, tell me <laughs> another one that you know of. Cook, maybe. Um, Cook, in, uh, in, in, farmer,
2: in farmer, air. bard, bard, ass. Ooh,
0: Bard ass That's good. I like that. This
2: scene, in a weird way, kind of reminded me a bit of um, Joffrey when he brings that um, singer to court, right? And he had been singing the song about Joffrey and and Robert and Jamie and Cersei, and um, you know he gives him the choice, right, between his tongue and his hand. Wasn't that what it was? And yeah. It, it's <laughs> it's almost the behavior is the same um, in the sense that you know in, in this case, um, Aaron is just going and choosing to act instead of, you know, give the girl a choice, but, you know, both are things that clearly offend the families, um, and so they're being acted out against, but I agree that in this case, I don't think that, um, the punishment necessarily fit the crime, um, you know, maybe he could have just simply destroyed the uh, the puppets he didn't has, he right, didn't set have to, fire
0: to the stand
2: <laughs> yeah he didn't have to act out on this poor girl who you know as you pointed out was just kind of earning a living and she didn't mean it in any sort of negative way towards the targaryens she was just simply telling a story mm-hmm. and probably yeah. telling
1: it very well i think that that much is pretty clear in the situation but as a lot of people who are in that position weak counseled weak people with weak personalities sometimes get drunk with power and do really stupid things.
0: It's just it really shows what kind of man or boy Arian is for him to go and take a girl and break her finger.
2: Not only that, but in this case maybe he more resembles a, a Viserys um than he does a Joffrey, but both of them kind of have the same behavior and if you think about it from uh you know uh, the point of view that we we know that Targaryens are inbred. We know Joffrey is inbred, so I don't know if that's any correlation between how some of the children of incest uh, are portrayed to behave.
0: And they're spoiled brats. I mean that comes into play at the very, very end of this uh, whole book too, that uh, just the way that Arian was raised, he is a bad egg. (laughs) 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 I just hate seeing somebody who's so skilled um, lose that that ability. That's just – maybe it's a personal thing.
1: Maybe she shouldn't have done a puppet show where a dragon loses then, you know? <laughs> but that Maybe happened centuries ago. That. You know, Arian didn't care. This all happened because, like you said, he he had a short fuse to a temper. He acted like an idiot. Dunk also kind of acted like an idiot by doing all of this, right? I mean, Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. By attacking the prince, you're getting into some serious trouble here. You're not just attacking another knight out of turn and and things could get hot. I mean, essentially if this guy wants it, he could have you killed immediately and literally no one could care, but that doesn't happen. He was literally about to take dunk out, but didn't because a little friend of ours. And I think this is, this is the moment where it all happens. A little friend of ours bursts forward, who knows where he was and tells the men to stop. He tells the two guys, wait and Yorkel that are holding dunk still as the prince is about to hit him in the face with a hammer to release (laughs) dunk and they do. Uh, dun, dun, dun. What does that mean, guys?
2: I don't know, but I think it's a good place to uh, stop for today.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Let the mystery linger for a little bit longer.
0: Even though Egg would seem would appear to have saved the day, my own for this segment of Dunk and Egg is going to be to Sir Beesbury. Mm. Sir Humphrey beesbury uh first of all he's not the only humphrey there which <laughs> if you could if you can like be the second humphrey anywhere I, I i don't really know what i'm saying there but his sigil <laughs> his sigil is bees and that is something that i did not expect to, to see represented on a shield why not just bees man it's just friggin' bees they're the most terrifying creatures nicholas
1: cage and the wicker man dude danger
0: don't remind me of that <laughs> remake but uh yeah man Sir Humphrey Beesbury uh for bringing the bees uh definite definite own to him is that his
2: um animality
0: I think it is okay nice Mortal Kombat reference
2: I try we got to squeeze in everything that we can here finish him (laughs) finish him
0: he also splintered no less than a dozen lances
2: Humphrey wins an animality (laughs) Anyway, that just so you can do that. <laughs> thats what I wanted to do. Well. Uh, but uh, my own goes to um, Raymond Fossaway. Okay, when they're talking, you know, they're talking about um, Maekar Targaryen, and he sa- and Raymond says the king's fourth son, not quite as bold as Prince Balor, nor as clever as Prince Eris, nor as gentle as Prince Rhaegal. and now he must suffer seeing his own sons overshadowed by his brothers. Darren is a sot. Arian is vain and cruel. The, the third son was so unpromising they gave him to the Citadel to make a maester of him. <laughs> and the youngest hyphen Sir Duncan, Sir Duncan egg burst in panting. So my oh, own goes okay. to George R.R. R. Martin uh, for that little hint as if we weren't going to get the big reveal about two or three pages later.
1: All right. Well, I don't have anything to follow that up except that the Laughing Storm, he he gets it. Lionel Baratheon yeah. is the man of men, the man of men, the man who went into the tournament knowing what was going to be happening, that they were meant to be entertaining people, and he went right out there and did. I think he could have decimated people even more heroically than he did. I think he could have skipped the whole pageantry with the helmets going into the audience and just start decimating his foes. But he didn't. He wanted to keep the common people happy, which was really the point of all of it, right? So, Laughing Storm, you get it.
2: So, if you all have owns from this particular part of the Hedge Knight, send them to us. You can do so in a number of different ways. One of them is the 140-character version. Or Tweet less. at us, at Game of GameOfOwns. Ooh, that would be a challenge. That would be a good challenge. You have right? to meet the 140-character yes. limit.
0: yes. Try to... Yes, except people would probably just then like use like, what's the opposite of Netspeak (laughs) where you just make big, big words or uh, lots of spaces in between.
2: Just drop in like four images and you're done. Yeah, there you go. So Twitter is one way. You can also scroll upon our wall at facebook.com slash game of owns. We do head over there from time to time on our shows and uh, see what people have left for us. It's always good. If you cannot limit yourself to 140 characters or less, you can do that. Or you can email us, contact at gameofowns.com. We still use that old form of communication.
1: I will say it's been very heartwarming to see the amount of people who have started reading this since we have. People that are big fans of the series who are very sullied, who always just put it off because I think we got, I think you guys were talking about on on Monday, there was an actual reference towards someone saying, I was going to read it, never really got around to it because it's about learning a whole new set of characters, and that's kind of hard to deal with when you're already dealing with so many, but it was completely worth it. So if you're on the fence, just take the advice of all of your peers who listen to the show and who are kind of enjoying our loose breakdown of what's been going on. There's a whole lot to discover even between our words, people. It's true.
2: Yes. So we look forward to hearing what you all have to say about The Hedge Knight and anything else you want to – send us your thoughts on whether it be the episode titles for season four, the character posters, or those eight bit animations uh, that we talked about <laughs> on Monday's <laughs> episode. Uh, we look forward to all that stuff and enjoy sharing it with everybody else. Yeah. Another thing we really enjoy sharing are iTunes reviews. Your
1: addresses. Oh. And social security. Yeah, universe. that too. We, we weren't <laughs> Sorry, supposed to tell on, them that please. we collect that though.
2: <laughs> iTunes is a great place for you to leave us your feedback as well. It allows you to rate us five stars. It actually defaults to that, and you're not allowed to select anything less. If you do, your computer will crash and never work again. And shockingly, there hasn't been a review posted since February the 15th, so people need to get on it.
0: Yes, Joseph Bowman, who posted that review on the 15th, is owning you yes. all. Yes,
2: do not let Joseph win this tournament. Don't
0: let Joseph win, people. <laughs> it's the dream code. It's so dreamy.
2: <laughs> Finally, one other place you can leave us your feedback is on winneriscoming.net. We do post all of our episodes up there, and you're free to comment away. We do go through those comments and share them regularly on the show. We'll, how about we look to do that on our Friday episode this week? I have a feeling we're going to get some yeah. feedback. I can oh, feel yes. it.
1: Well, yeah, the uh, the story's ending. I think that we're going to confidently wrap up Dunkin' Egg on Friday, and there's still a good chunk of time. We're in March, and uh, the show doesn't premiere until April 6th. Uh, HBO broke some news tonight about an event they're holding later in the month that I'm sure we're going to have thoughts on on Friday. I want to go. Just
2: in general, there's a whole <laughs> lot of shit to catch up <laughs> I on. I saw that news you break. You sir. It's, it's really close. I wonder if Jay-Z and Beyonce are going to be there. Maybe we can work it out. Who knows? Maybe that episode, I can, I can be live from the Barclays Center.
0: <laughs> Maybe you'll be sober. <laughs> Probably not. (laughs) This Friday, the epic battle of Dunk and Egg on their first outing
2: concludes. Wow, you sounded so clear there.
0: Yeah, it's almost like he used his mic properly.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing. I'm excited for this um, epic conclusion. It's just the first of many stories that these two have together, so I can't wait. I'm ready. Bring on the Friday Up.
1: Bye, baby. I can't wait. Lace your shoes, tighten your velcros, patent the silent version, and we'll see you on Friday. I'm Zach Louie. I am Eric Skull.
2: And I am Micah Tanabelle.
1: Ah, do we have any words of wisdom to Stay offer? Say, gooey.
2: Pikachu. <laughs> Those will work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what kind of a
1: silly name is calvin klein (laughs) what or ken eastwood
0: calvin why do you keep calling me calvin that's your name isn't it calvin klein it's all over your underwear (laughs) oh my god get used to these
1: bars buddy (laughs) oh my
0: god it's my mother